Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ, and I'm glad that you have tuned back in today. Uh, we're going to pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. We'll finish out uh, this chapter today and finish up this discussion about this contribution uh, that we have been looking at all week. And we'll finish this up and, and move on to chapter 10 on Monday. But as he was discussing at the end of chapter 8, beginning of chapter 9, he was sending Titus and these other brethren uh, to Corinth to make sure that everything was ready, that the contribution was ready, so that he would not be humiliated or ashamed or so that those in Corinth wouldn't be ashamed as well if whenever he did come, those things were not prepared. And he, he mentions at the end of verse 5, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. And that leads into what he talks about starting in verse 6. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If you remember, we mentioned a couple of days ago, Luke uh, chapter 6 in verse 38. And I'll go over here and read this for us. Luke 6 in verse 38. He says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That general principle of if we give just a little bit, we will only receive a little bit. If we give a lot, we will receive a lot as well. Now that is true of, of the relations that we have with other people. Just using this example, uh, those in Corinth, that they gave generously and supplied the needs of those that were in Jerusalem, <clears throat> then if the tables were turned and Jerusalem was, was well off but Corinth needed help, then those saints in Jerusalem would be more apt and more willing to help them in Corinth. And in that way, since Corinth had sowed bountifully, they would also reap bountifully. But I also think about this in the sense of, of God rewarding us for our labor and for the work that we have done. Uh, if we give ourselves to God, He will make sure to reward us as we have talked about previously to make sure that every need that we have is is supplied and and he'll he'll mention that uh, in verse in verse 8 so we'll we'll talk about that more here in just a second but he says in verse 7 each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver uh, there's a couple of principles that, that we like to bring out when dealing with this. First of all, in, in verse 7, give as he has decided in his heart. Under the law of Moses, when collections were made, and there were many collections that were required, they were required to tithe, which was to give 10% of everything that they had. But under the new law, under the new covenant, when we read about these collections and this contribution, it is that free will offering, and it is, as he describes here, as we decide in our own heart. Now, coupling this with what he says in 1 Corinthians 16, we need to make that decision based on how much we have received. 
He says in, in 1 Corinthians 16 to give as he has prospered. Our giving needs to coincide with our receiving. If we receive a lot, then we need to be willing and ought to give more. Even if we perhaps don't receive quite as much, we need to give in proportion to what we have received. And that's really what he's talking about here. Giving as we have decided. There's not a set number or a set percentage that we have been given in the New Testament that, that we are to give. But we are to give as we have decided. But as he says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And though he's talking specifically about contribution, I think this is true of anything that we do for God. Yes, it's true when it comes to our contribution, the giving that we do every single Sunday. I think it, it's true, especially it, it's true of, of that. But it's true of any service that we do for God. When we help anyone who is in need, why do we do it? Do we do it because we love God and because we love those around us, or do we do it just because we feel like we have to? Uh, do we worship God because we want to, or do we worship Him because we feel like we have to? Do we evangelize because we want to or because we feel like we have to? And I think the general principle that we can bring out and apply to us and to our lives as Christians is God doesn't want us to serve him simply just because we have to. He wants us to serve him because we want to. He wants us to be those cheerful and willing givers, whether it be in the specific context of, of the contribution or whether it be in any effort that we make in our service to him, doing it willingly and not just simply out of necessity and and I, again I think that's that's so important for us to remember because I think it's so easy for us to to lose sight of that and as he says in verse 8 and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work as Paul was writing to the church in Philippi they are in uh, Philippians 4 and verse 19. They had sent to him, they had sent some, some money to him to help with his necessities. And as it says, as he says in verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So those in Philippi had aided Paul, and Paul says because of that, God is going to make sure you have everything you need as well. Very similar to what he says here. Uh, continuing on to verse 9, As it is written, he has distributed freely. Uh, he has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Again, that general idea of what he says there in verse 7. If you sow generously, God is going to bless you, and then you will be able to do even more, is, is the point that I think he's making here in these verses. They will be able to do much more, and that is going to produce, as he says in ver at the end of verse 10, that thanksgiving to God. 
one of I think one of the greatest evangelism tools that we have is benevolence. Just like that old saying goes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When we help others who are in need, it will open a great door to to show them the gospel and to bring them to him so that they might give that thanksgiving to him. Uh, continuing there in verse 10, or verse 12 rather, uh, for, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God, showing that dual purpose. Yes, it is to help, but also it is to direct these people and results in them expressing their uh, gratitude to God. Verse 13, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the gener generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. What he's saying there is since the, the Corinthians submitted, as he says, that comes from your confession of the gospel, since uh, the Corinthians were willing to make this contribution because of their obedience to God, it was going to result in glorifying God. And as he, as he says, the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, it, it was going to bring, to bring that glory and thanksgiving to God, just as he's been discussing. Uh, verse 14, for, for while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Uh, again, I think this is kind of a reference back to what, he, what we mentioned just a moment ago. God had blessed those in Corinth physically very, very well. They had, they had a lot. And because of that, they were then able to help those in Jerusalem. And so those in Jerusalem, they longed and prayed for them because of how God had, had blessed them and because they were able to help uh, others. And so in verse 15, he says, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. A lot of times when we look at this verse, we apply it to, to Christ. And while in principle that is true, I don't think that that is specifically what he is talking about here. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. He's been talking about contrib the contribution for the past two chapters. And I think what he is saying here is that God blessed those in Corinth physically. And because of that, those in Corinth were able to bless those in Jerusalem. And ultimately, all of that came from God. And so he is saying, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift, for the work that God has done through those in Corinth to aid those in Jerusalem. Now again, that principle applied to Christ is true because that is an inexpressible gift, something we will never be able to, to ever grasp in, in any combination of words, in any book that has ever been written about about it by man, there's no way we could ever fully, fully capture and comprehend the gift that God has given us through Christ. But again, I think specifically what he is talking about here is, is that contribution, that it was a tremendous blessing and gift uh, to those in Jerusalem. Uh, but that's the end of chapter 9, and as I mentioned, the conclusion of that discussion on the contribution in chapter 10, uh, he 
we'll move on to defend his ministry and to defend his apostleship. Uh, but we'll look at that next week. I thank you so much for your time and for your attention today. As always, if you have questions, feel free to message us, to comment, or to call us. And we would love to answer any questions that you may have. But I hope that you'll come back on Monday as we'll start looking at chapter 10.